0: I'm Sarah Resnick, and I'm LaShawn Moore, and we are the hosts of The Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hello! Welcome to Episode 98, Navajo Rug Weaving Restoration with Penelope Starr in Tucson, Arizona. This week's episode features Penelope Starr. Penelope repairs damaged Navajo rugs by reweaving them in order to restore their original pattern. Navajo rugs are textiles produced by the second most populous of all native indigenous groups in the United States. Navajo textiles are highly sought after and play an important role in the Navajo economy. If you remember a few weeks ago, In episode 92, with Jessica Sanchez of Rusted Earth Farm, we talked about how the American government slaughtered the Navajo churro sheep breed in order to destroy the Navajo people's economy. The wool from that breed would be used to weave Navajo rugs, as well as blankets. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly suggest you listen to that one and then tune into this one. Hey, Penelope. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Can you start out by introducing yourself and telling us about your background?
1: Well, sure. My name is Penelope Starr, and I live in Tucson, Arizona. I've been restoring Navajo rugs since about 1982, which is 38 years, hard to believe. Um, I was always a visual artist and started to weave uh, many years ago. Um, Actually, I took a weaving class when I was pregnant with my son, and he's 49 years old. So I've been weaving a long time, and I did mostly self-taught workshops. Um, I took workshop some people like Peter Collingwood and Inga Crook. I was really interested in rug weaving and um, I started weaving wearables and rugs uh, in order to try to make a living from it in the 80s and I guess you know it's kind of tough to make living as a weaver So when I had the opportunity to restore rugs, I thought that might be a good way to still be weaving, but at least I could earn
0: a living. Mm. And how did you develop your skills specifically in fiber? How did you learn how to restore Navajo rugs? Well, I was living in Sedona, Arizona,
1: and I worked at Mary Pendleton's shop, um, which was a famous weaving store in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And she was the author of a book called Navajo and Hopi Weaving Techniques, and she gave classes, and I used to spy in on them. And one of the customers that came into the shop, named Jane Ramey, was restoring Navajo rugs. And I, uh, she had someone that was helping her, and when that woman left... I asked her if I could apprentice with her. And I worked with her for about four years until I moved away. And when I got to my new location, I thought, I I could do this on my own. So I very slowly started my own rug business. Just word of mouth. Um, I lived in a small town in Arizona. And um, people would just say, where do you live? And I say, oh, down in the hollow. And they just go down there, open my door, stick a rug on my dining room table. And I'd give them a call later and tell them, oh, this is what I could do for you. So it was pretty
0: casual. Can you give us a history of Navajo rugs and their cultural significance? Oh yeah, sure. Um, Well, the rugs
1: are made by Navajo women, mostly. There's a few men and they were made as trade items. The women uh, traditionally owned the sheep and with their children, they cared for the sheep and did everything from sheep to shawl as we call it now. Um, So they would um, shear the sheep, wash it uh, somewhat primitively because they didn't have a lot of water it was hard to hard to really get it clean. So actually, if you look at old rugs, there'll be a lot of debris in some of the spun yarn. And then they would spin them and then weave them. And the weaving patterns were very simple bands in the very beginning in what they call uh, first-phase chief's blankets.
0: And mm-hmm. eventually
1: they evolved to have design elements in the corners and... Um, they were started to be collectibles by the white people back east because traders moved onto to the reservation, and their customers wanted a certain look. They were, uh, so they, what they did was they made copies of oriental rugs, and they would hang the this, this pictures in the store, and the women would be encouraged to use those design elements in the rugs.
0: Wow, that's super interesting. They come from oriental rugs?
1: Yes. And the translation was extremely easy because, uh, you know, it's weaving. And the designer elements were basically based on the grid, uh, warp and weft. And they were pretty much uh, translated just the shapes and the placement, that sort of thing. Um, Putting a border around it was a, a new concept, and that came from the... The Oriental rugs. So when I restore rugs, I could sometimes I get some that are 150 years old, or I could get something brand new, or everything in between. So I've seen a lot of different kinds of rugs over the years,
0: hmm. and they've over the years become very coveted as a art form, um, as an art artifact. Can you kind of speak to why that is?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's because of the the traders have developed a market for it. And the Navajo weaving is prized and kind of premium priced when you compare it to Mexican rugs that are woven with sometimes equal skill. Or, you know, it depends on the weaver, of course. But those rugs just don't have the same value. So it's all about the marketplace. Like I said, the... The rugs were basically woven for trade items for to produce money or to mm. to you know to trade for goods or whatever uh, so yeah, I think it's unfortunate that a lot of weavings are dismissed because they don't have the Navajo rug category, but they've also been very good about making sure that you know an authentic rug. And making sure that nowadays you can, when if you buy a new rug, sometimes you get a picture of the weaver. The, the weaver's name is always on it. So it, it, it gives a connection between the artist who until many years ago was unknown and the product.
0: Hmm. And I'm also curious about the years that these rugs are produced. So are these rugs that are being produced now amongst the Navajo Nation or are most of these rugs from years, uh, decades or potentially even a century ago? No, there's a lot of rugs being woven now. And um,
1: they are woven, I think, to me, the definition of a Navajo rug is a rug that's woven by a Navajo person. That person Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be living on the reservation. They could be, you know, they could be in L.A., But they, if they weave on a traditional loom and they are a Navajo, then they are what they produce is a Navajo rug or weaving. Sometimes, you know, they it kind of evolved from rugs, or originally they were blankets. Then they evolved to rugs for the for the people back east to put on their parlor floors, and um, the weaving has. Their skills have improved, the materials have improved, the dyeing has improved, and the market has demanded that they kind of uh, try new things. So a lot of weavers are experimenting with very fine weaves, which they wouldn't be putting on the floor. So, So some rugs now are just woven to be displayed on the wall. And that has changed some of the actual construction of the rug because those rugs no longer have side cords. I could talk about cords later, but... So they're very adaptable. They're very um, clever weavers. The designs have changed. Some contemporary Navajo weavers are experimenting with contemporary designs, not just the traditional designs. And of course, they get pushed back Well, wait, that's not a Navajo rug. Well, yeah, it was woven by a Navajo person.
0: Hmm. Can you talk about your work specifically? What is the process of restoring a Navajo rug? And how do you complete a lot of these repairs? Well, first thing I have
1: to do is evaluate it. So I'll get, I get most of my business from the internet and I don't get to even meet the people, everything's over the um, email. But so they'll, they'll either send me a picture of their rug or tell me a little bit about it. And if I think I can help, I ask them to send it to me and I evaluate the rug. And if it needs cleaning, I can have that done for them by a local Tucson company that has all the equipment to safely wash rugs And if I think the rug is of historical consequence, I would recommend having it appraised first. Mm. And then the rug might need conservation in order to preserve the historical integrity of the piece. I could stabilize it to protect it from future damage, but I wouldn't remove any material. So that's conservation. Um, If the rug's torn tattered, moth-eaten, all over, you know, if it's a big pile of holes, if there's hardly any of the original rug left and it's not worth saying, I recommend that the customer not invest any money into it and I'll return it to them. Or sometimes they say, okay, just trash it, which is really hard to do. Uh. And all the other rugs I restore. And some jobs are simple. They, maybe I just replace the cords or a few broken warps in the body of it. And sometimes I have to face reweaving a really large hole. So uh, most of the time I have to remove uh, some of the original material before I can even start reweaving. That was always the scariest part in the beginning. Like, oh, no, what if I can't put it back again? Now I know I can put it back again.
0: (laughs) And so what is the specific... Process of reweaving. Are you sourcing particular yarns and then following the pattern? Like, how exactly are you able to match?
1: So, some of the jobs that I have to restore rugs are just replacing cords, and uh, sometimes I have to replace broken warps inside the body of the rug, and sometimes I have to actually weave, reweave big holes. Um, and and then I have to remove material from the rug, which is kind of a scary part of the whole thing. But now, after all these years, I realize that I can put everything back again. Um, my intention is to, in restoration, is I wanna make it the same as it was before with new materials. So I have to match the color, I have to match the texture, I have to match the size of the yarn. I have to actually try to match fading and dirt and age and uh, things like rugs will fade on one, you know, Navajo rugs are reversible, but sometimes people just leave them in one place for many, many years and they fade on one side. So when you reweave something, which side of the rug do you match? The faded side? or the dark side. I mean, I have to make all these decisions all the time. Um, Usually I can, the patterns are pretty easy to discern, but sometimes there's such a big piece missing. I have to figure out how to duplicate the pattern. And I came up with this way and it's it's pretty primitive and maybe somebody knows a better way to do it than I do. But so what I do is I take the rug and I put it on my printer. And I make a copy of the pattern in color. And then I basically use that as a cartoon that I put behind the warps to reweave the
0: pattern. And And it works pretty well. Wow, that's really interesting. And what are some of the weaves that are usually found in Navajo rugs?
1: Well, the vast majority are plain weave or um, tabby, what I, I know, tapestry, so that it's um, wet face. Uh, there are very few exceptions to that rule. The constraints are because of the the, the way that the Navajo loom is constructed. It's a frame loom and they use um they they use these heddle sticks where they pick up every other thread in the warp and then they use a batten stick to make the other shed so it's it's pretty simple and trying to weave anything more complicated than plain weave on something like that takes a lot of ingenuity there are people who weave twill rugs and they set up a whole fancy system with different heddle rods, and it's very complicated. There's also a kind of rug called a two-face, which is one design on one side and one design on the other side. And truthfully, I have never had one of those. I never want one of those. I have no idea how (laughs) they do that. It's magic. But I don't, I don't, even the twill rugs are extremely hard to work on. So I'm not a big fan of
0: working on them. Mm, I can imagine. And can you talk about how you're able to identify and authenticate Navajo rugs? Oh, yeah. There's a
1: whole, a whole lot of information about this. There's some little booklets that are very interesting, but um, I think, so to me, a Navajo rug comes from a Navajo weaver and a lot of times they will have tags on them that say that who they were woven by and that's a good sign. Um, if you buy a rug and it has a little tag like that and want to take it off, that's fine, but hang on to the tag because it's part of your rug. Uh, once so, Navajo rugs are made out of wool in the warp and the weft um so of course like any kind of weaving there's always exceptions the original the old rugs had cotton a lot of them had cotton warps Um, i have seen synthetic yarns used as warp but that's pretty unusual Um, i've also seen synthetic yarns used as weft but the weft is always singles. Of course, there are exceptions. You might find one that was applied yarn, but that that's kind of the, the thing, is that they're made from a single ply. Um, they have selvage cords. And selvage cords look like they wrap around the sides, the edges, but actually they go through the loops of the of the weft on the edges and um we were talking before about how people are now weaving rugs specifically for the wall and they're um they call them tapestries now those rugs they don't bother putting the selvage cord on because the selvage cord is used as a protection to protect the edges from wear and the, if the rug's on the wall that doesn't need it On the mm. also on the ends you will have cords and they are uh, they they serve a purpose in the actual weaving because the Navajo rugs are a continuous warp. It's not put like a you know a floor loom and you put on a big long warp and when you finish one weaving you cut it off and then you can you have fringes that that is not an, how the Navajo rugs are woven. The frame basically it's a frame loom so the warp goes from one end to the other continuously, and that means you have loops at the end. And in order to space the loops properly, they do a thing, kind of a twining thing, and that's the bottom and the top cord. So that's two things about rug, uh, Navajo rugs. That is, pro- If you see fringes, at the end of a, Nav- a rug that somebody's representing as a Navajo, it's probably not a Navajo rug. Um, if you feel the end of it and it feels kind of thick and you kind of separate the wefts and look in there and see that the warps are doubled up in there, that means that somebody cut it off of a loom and needle wove the ends back in. So that's not a Navajo rug either. Um let's see. Oh, so on the corners there's two you have a cord on the sides and a cord on the top and bottom. And um so that means you'll have tassels on the end, just where the two ends are are tied together. That's pretty distinctive. And then there's lazy lines. You know what lazy lines are?
0: No, I'm not familiar.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know who gave them that name, because the Navajo weavers are not lazy. Um, They just came up with a very clever solution to uh, a problem. And the the thing is that most um, rugs are woven by the weaver sitting on the floor or on a stool. And if the rug is a very wide rug, she can only weave as far as is comfortable for her arms reach. And then if she didn't do that, she'd have to scoot over and, you know, to weave all the way across. So what they did was they developed a diagonal, um, a diagonal break in the weave. It's kind of an angled edge. And then they move over to the next section and then when they come back they just weave over that they try to have the the colors match so you really can't there's they're very subtle but a lot of times the the yarns are slightly different you know if there's any variation in them and you will see the lazy lines there's also other reasons that they i i think i, I haven't read a lot about it but i have some theories but <clears throat> I think, to me, I think one of the reasons is that it stabilizes the tension. If you've got a bands and then you have uh, areas where there's a lot of uh, design elements, so you've got non-continuous wefts, the tension is different. So if you use a lazy line in a band, it will um, it will even out the tension a little bit. Uh, so it's, it's a very unique thing to Navajo rugs. It's kind of like, oh yeah, that's a Navajo rug. It has lazy lines.
0: I'm also kind of thinking about, um, a conversation that I had with another podcast guest a few weeks ago, who's a farmer and she tends to Navajo churro. She Yes,
1: I listened to that. It was great.
0: Yeah. And so I'm thinking a lot about, you know, what you're saying and and the history of the Navajo Nation really in America. And I'm also really curious about your surrounding community. What, what is it like? Are there other weavers? Is weaving a craft that's very popular in Tucson, Arizona?
1: Well, it is. And when I first came here, I was still weaving, <laughs> but I haven't woven now for many years. I've been here for almost 25 years. Uh, I just got kind of sidetracked into some other things. Um, so I am not very much involved with the weaving community, but um, since I thought you were going to ask me that question. I did go online to see what was going on here. And I learned that there's something called the Visual and Textile Arts of Tucson. And it's like an umbrella organization for a variety of fiber related arts. And that includes the Tucson Hand Weavers and Spinners Guild that I used to be um, a member of. And they also, it's kind of a blanket thing. So they also have quilters and needleworkers and. Um, yeah, uh, there's a lot going on here. They had a big show recently. I went to it as a customer, not as a as a uh, weaver. But um, yeah, we, reweaving and weaving are actually two different things because I'm looking at you know a two by four area of weaving for possibly days on end trying to figure out how to make that look original and i'm not creating anything new really
0: Hmm. and have you made any interesting discoveries in your rug weaving process like have you come across a rug to restore and seen something and was like oh my goodness this is amazing or just anything you've never seen before well i see hair
1: woven into rugs mm. which is really interesting because especially the old rugs i mean this could be a very very old hair i i usually just leave it i think it's kind of cool it's part of the history of a rug um well you know the the traders who were very influential in the, the business of Navajo rug and rugs and they influenced the weavers in terms of the designs but they also kind of created myths around the the um, designs or the the patterns so they gave names to them and they made up little stories and it's kind of interesting because I, when I'm sitting there working with a rug I'm there with the craft of the woman who wove this rug uh, maybe a hundred years ago, and she's not doing this for religious reasons or um, some, I'd like to think that she's mostly focused on her vision of what she wants this art piece to look like. And she might have been influenced by other rugs that she saw. She might have learned by sitting next to her grandmother. Um, The spirit of the rug kind of comes through to me. I don't wanna get too mystical here, but um, I feel very honored to be able to work with these old pieces of art and restore them to their beauty so that people can enjoy them for years to come. I don't know if that answered your question.
0: (laughs) No, it did. And um, that's really beautiful. And we love mystical on this podcast. So (laughs) no worries there. (laughs) Okay.
1: Yeah. And and going back to the the idea of the yarns, um, you know, I think it's extremely noble what um, your guest was doing with trying to bring back the churro sheep because... Those were the sheep that the Navajos originally got from the Spanish when they first came to this country to conquer them. And they were very suited to the climate. And part of trying to control the Indians was they killed their sheep and they destroyed their livelihood because the sheep was not only the wool, but it was also food. So the the churro sheep are very much involved with that the kind of sad history of how we treated native peoples in this in this country, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and that idea of bringing that back again is is kind of a political act. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, it it does. You know, in, in having the conversation about. The market of Navajo rug making and thinking about the history of what Native Americans faced, you know, in this country, it it does kind of make me think, you know, get the wheels turning about a lot of different things as far as just what it means that we come from this history, you know, as a country, but then also that there's a market sort of being made where there is a, a premium on it
1: right and they really do get a fair price for their weavings Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool Uh, i mean up in flagstaff a lot of weavers would bring their rugs to um, car dealers and trade them for a truck you know wow (laughs) (laughs) not a lot but i mean it happened and so it's a really important part of the economy and it's kind of wonderful that this art form can help support families. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I'm also really curious about how you are able to sustain your practice. Like, what are some of the challenges, if any, in maintaining your business as a someone who works in the fiber craft? Well, one of my challenges is
1: actually to keep up with the work. Because in addition to Restoring Rugs, I have a lot of interest. I founded a storytelling event 15 years ago, and I wrote a book about it. I uh, Now I'm writing short stories. So uh, I'm really busy, and my time for working on rugs is kind of limited. Um, I, I love everything I do, so it's kind of a a. a, a, a nice to have those choices but um recently I got pretty far behind and I decided I should maybe hire an apprentice to help me with with you know to catch up a little bit um but then I actually found out that I'd rather restore rugs than teach somebody else how to restore rugs so uh it it helped me get caught up a little bit but it it's not the answer for me um and there's another challenge too, is the physicality of the work. You know, some, some rugs are really tight and I'm basically pulling needles through rugs and sometimes it could be hard on my hands or my eyes get tired and um, I could get stiff from sitting too long. Uh, the older I get, I'm almost 75 years old, I find that I need more breaks so i really can't work for more than three hours at a time so i try to communicate very clearly and honestly with my customers and i tell them exactly what they can expect that it's going to take a while Um, if i encounter any problems i let them know i I let them know right up front what the cost is going to be Um, and i get like I said before, I get most of my work from the internet, so I never even get to meet these people and uh it It's really pretty amazing to me. The recession didn't seem to bother people with rugs they i I've had a steady amount of work now for many, many years. Uh, my website is pretty simple, but it it uh it gets the story across. I have some before and after pictures on there that seem to help people visualize
0: what can actually happen. Wow, that's super cool. And it's amazing that you've been doing this work for as long as you have and that you're still finding new ways to allow your practice and your love for Navajo weaving and the culture of fiber arts to live through other mediums.
1: Yeah, I feel really honored to be able to do this work, actually. I li- And I like it. It's a challenge. It's fun. Every rug is different. And every job is different. And every time I sit down to do something, I have to figure it out. Even if I think, oh, I've done this a million times, every once in a while, I can hold the thread in a different way or pull on something differently and I will learn something new so I'm always surprising myself which is which is kind of what keeps me going too
0: that's beautiful and do you have any new projects that you'd like to share with our listeners in terms of the the rugs I'm
1: really kind of content with the niche that I kind of carved out for myself for for the last 38 years and I hope I can just keep going with it um yeah I just feel like my work I I feel like I'm doing a
0: service and that feels really good yeah and where can people go on social media or the internet to follow your work and to also um listen to or find some of your storytelling ah well, um, the the website is
1: www rug restoration one word, net n e t. My Facebook is Navajo Rug Res, Res, I'm sorry, Navajo Rug Restoration, and my email is restore navajo rugs at gmail.com. And Odyssey Storytelling is the storytelling event that I created. And it's the website for that is Odysseystorytelling dot com.
0: Awesome. So before you go, we have a question that we ask everyone that joins the podcast. And that is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts?
1: Yeah, I thought about this question. It's a a great question. Um, I guess the first thing that came to me was don't narrow your vision. When I was a weaver, I took lots of workshops on dyeing and quilting and bookmaking and all kinds of related art, art classes like color and design. And I found that it all fed my creative self and it all enhanced my weaving. Um, I guess the other thing is
0: never stop learning. Wow, amazing. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you so much for, for this. This has been really interesting.
0: That's a wrap. If you're interested in finding out more about Penelope's work, you can find links in our show notes at www.gisyarn.com episode 98. Thank you all again for tuning into this week's episode and stay tuned for next week's episode as well. Until next time, happy weaving.